Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. Paper, and it's got ink in it. This is what Jesus carried right here. <laughs> the new King James Version. Or the King James Version. Reina Valeria, because he was Cuban. But anyway, <laughs> you guys ready? One, two, three. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Talk about repeat. We've been doing that since we took over here. We were doing it at Faith Family when we planted that church. So we don't just repeat things to repeat them. The fact of the matter is that this is the Word of God. So even though you see me ministering this word and sharing what the Holy Spirit has given me, you, what's really happening here today is God is speaking to us, yes. right? And what, what uh, we need to understand, some people say, how come God spoke to Abraham, you know, and, and God spoke to Moses out of a burning bush, and God spoke to, and you hear his voice. Well, those were moments in their lives that they heard God, but we hear God every single day. We have the word of God, right? And it's alive and living and well. And, uh, and we do our best to, to plant that seed into your heart. So stake your claim in 2017. I'll read you something about that. April 22nd, 1889 was the Oklahoma land run. Anybody know about that? Thousands of people lined up on the edge of what was Indian territory. Right at 12 noon, they fired a cannon, and all these people began to race across Indian territory taking their claim to a piece of property. Not good, right? The deal was if you stake out that property, lived on that property, and possess, everybody say possess, and possess that property, then it was yours for free. Many of these people were not just staking claim to a piece of property, but to a better future. They were staking claim to a dream and or desire of their heart. And many were staking claim to a greater prosperity in their life and generations to come. So what they did 125 years ago, we're going to do here today in the spirit. We're going to do here today in faith. And we're going to stake our claim for some of the, pro some of the promises of God in our life. And if you, uh, if you, how many of you saw the movie Far and Away with Cruz and, and Kidman? <clears throat> so it's pretty accurate. It's, they say that there was some things in there. Now, there's one that you can go back even farther, 1945. I believe Pastor Dan probably watched that one. Um, <laughs> I'm just messing with him. He, stand, he sits back there, so I'm going to pick on him because he's never up front. But um, there's another one that's actually uh, according to the actual history and everything that happened. And, but the, the one with, with Cruz and Kidman... And uh, there's a scene in the movie where they, the cannon sounds off, and uh, those of you who are horse lovers, I'm really sorry. Don't watch the movie if you're a horse lover, because he's riding this horse, and it's just not doing what it's supposed to do, and, and it kicks him off the horse, and he gets off the horse and gives him a right hook, gets back on the horse, and the horse runs past everybody else, right? 
So, yeah, it's not a good scene. But he runs past all that, and he has his own flag. He has a flag that, or a stake you know, with a little flag on it that belongs to him, a certain color or a certain number. And then there are stakes in the ground on different territories uh, in, in different areas. And obviously, they wanted to be near the water. They wanted to be near rivers or, or creeks, right, because water is very important for farming and for surviving. So they wanted to be near that. And then they wanted some shade and trees and those kind of things. So he's, he's taken off, and they're all kind of headed towards this little river. And uh, he rides, and he gets there, and then there's a big fight and, and all that. But he has his flag, and he goes to stake his claim. And, uh, and, and Nicole Kidman's telling him, stake your claim, stake it, stake it. You know, and then uh, I, I don't know what happens after that because I just watched that little portion on YouTube. But um, uh, he has his thing, and he has a number. Right, and something that, that is going to belong to him the moment he puts that down. You know, our faith is like that, very much like that. Because when you stake your claim to something, you have to, and when he does that, a house doesn't pop up, right? right? The field is not automatically growing corn and growing different vegetables, right? He's not automatically uh, 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 moving the river into certain areas where he can use the water for farming. Now he's got a land and it's just there. He's got to work it now. Faith is like that. We want to, we, we're microwave people, and nowadays, you know, microwave is, we're air fryer people, so, right? Yeah. I don't use my microwave anymore. That's all I use is my air fryer now. But, um, you know, the, the mic, you hit the button, and three minutes later, uh, you know, the outside of whatever you have is extremely hot, and the, whatever's in the middle is still frozen. So, I don't know how this microwave made it into... Right, an appliance on our shelf because it doesn't work very well. It'll heat the cup and leave the water cold. You ever had that happen? Yeah. You can't even grab the cup. Who, who came up with this thing? And then we say, oh, that's great. Let's do that. But anyway, we, we want everything done fast. And now, the other, I remember the other day, I don't know if any of you have AT&T, but the 5G is not working very, very well in our area right now. Am I the only one? I know it's others that are having it. It's just not working well. When you're away from the Wi-Fi, something's going on. They're fixing something. I don't know what it is. But it gets stuck, and it doesn't, you know, and I called them and they say, yeah, we're working on it. It's specifically our area. So uh, we want everything fast. And, you know, I sat there, and I had to wait like 10 seconds, 11 seconds for something to load up, and it was just driving me crazy. But see, faith doesn't work like that. Now, sometimes, right, in the gifts of the Spirit, there's the gift of faith, the gift of healing, and, and it does happen like that. You lay hands on the sick, and they recover. And there are moments like that, but most of the time, faith requires some kind of work, some kind of right, and we don't want that. We want every, give me, give me, my name is Jimmy. We want a sugar daddy for a God, and that's not how that works at all. So it's time to quit camping on the premises and start standing on the promises. So what we do is we come, we hear a good message, we leave, and we go, woohoo! And, you know, we walk out, the, I do that a lot, right? We walk out the door, and, and then, you know, uh, in, within a few weeks or a month, some of us, uh, you know, we went home and we put that stake in the ground, and it kind of deteriorated, and it's made out of pine, so it kind of went away, and we never put it back in. I remember going to some of my kids' you know, uh, homes, and they had their stake out front, or, or going to different people's homes, and they had, I could, oh, wow, look at the stake, and they had their little promises written on them. You know, all those stakes are gone by now, right? Those wooden stakes are gone right now because uh, they, they deteriorate and they're no longer there. And then we, what do we do? You know, and, and don't answer this, but how many of the promises that you put on the stake came to pass? Now, some of them did. Yes. 
Some of you put homes on there and you got a home, right? Some people believe for certain things and then there were certain things I wrote on there that didn't happen. And what do we do? We move on. But faith should not be like that. We should not move on. We should hang on. Not move on, but hang on. So staking your claim will keep you from straying from what you are praying. That's what we do. We stray from what we pray. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 11, reads like this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assist, assist, assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. I've used that phrase many times. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan and all this people in the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Verse 11, pass through the camp and command the people saying, command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourself. For within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go into and possess the land which the Lord, your God, is giving you to possess. And I didn't want to read the whole story, but you know how that works, right? Now, they, they, they're, gonna, they're about to do this, and they're not believing, so what happens? They end up back in the wilderness for 40 years, right? We, we have to get, and I'm sorry, uh, you uh, uh, seniors and, and uh, wise people, the wise guys in the house, uh, they had to get rid of some of these people because they couldn't change their mind. They could not. They wanted to go back to build bricks for Pharaoh. At least there I got three square meals a day, right? We, we, we build bricks, and at least we had a place to live, and we had kind of a life. Listen, we are still building bricks for Pharaoh today. We are. Who invented the 40-hour work week? And who works 40 hours anymore? Try 50, 60, 70 hours a week, right? Because you get overtime and you, right? and then you buy a house and you buy a car and you got car payments and you got bills and you got this and then you're stuck in that building bricks for Pharaoh cycle. I preached the message one time and I said, uh, we're going to believe that we could, we're going to make more by doing less. <laughs> I'm getting there. Hold on. I'm gonna, the Collinses took this to heart. And Elder Barb retired. And Curly, uh, uh, Pastor Curly started doing some work. for. And little by little, they were doing less. And they're making more now than when they were working a 40-hour-a-week job. Is that not correct? She retired, and then they asked her to come back. And she does some work for them during the week. And, and, and they're doing better now than they were before because they took the message to heart. They took the words that were spoken, and they put them into practice. Now, I'm not saying that's for everyone, and I'm not saying don't tomorrow walk into your boss's office and say, I quit, because Pastor Rick said, don't do that, all right? And then come in here and ask me to pay your rent, okay? I get enough of those calls already, all right? But you can start to believe and move towards something like that, all right? You, those of you who have that entrepreneurial spirit know what I'm talking about. I was... Uh, uh, Speaking with um, Willie at uh, Tropishack, I'm, I'm friends with them. I've, I've done a few services for them. I did a, a, a wedding and a child dedication in, in his yard and uh, been kind of ministering to them. And So I was in there yesterday, and they're opening another one in DeLand, by the way, uh, real soon in that area where they're 
they're building a bunch of stuff for something square, um, and and they asked him to open up there. So he's going to be, and he wants to open even another one to hand these off to his kids, and uh, when he retires. So he's looking at three years or whatever. So he's telling me his plan, and I go, "Isn't it awesome that you can do that?" And he goes, "Yeah." And he goes, "Now, if it's six o'clock in the afternoon and it's slow, because they're supposed to be, they used to be open till eight. Now they're closing at seven. And he goes, "If it's six, I go home." I put the sign up on the door, shut down. Why? Because it's his business, right? Chick-fil-A, we're going to close on Sundays. You know what the other fast food restaurants said? You're going you're gonna to go out of business. You're going to go bankrupt. You know that for like three years, it was the fastest growing franchise in the U.S.? Come on, you eat that chicken, you're saved, right? <laughs> Who doesn't want to eat that chicken? Right? You go to Chick-fil-A, you get saved. <laughs> Right, their spicy deluxe sandwich, Woo, man, so good. Right, those little, those little uh, chicken. Uh, right, they're the only ones that can put chicken in an egg. Right, the I won't say it. So uh, on the same sandwich, and get away with it. But they, they, they were devoted. Hobby Lobby, they close on Sunday. People are like, you, you can't close it. That's like one of our biggest days. People are off of work and they want to spend money, and they come into your store. And how are you going to do that? We're going to give our people their opportunity to go, right? And the owners, the ones that look at, it, at, the, at the bottom line, said, if this doesn't work, then we won't do it. You know, J.C. Penney used to tithe 90% and keep 10% for himself, and he was still one of the richest men in the world. He gave away. Now, he's, got, he, he's responsible for so many different orphanages and houses and charities and places all over the world because he gave away. And yet, you know, now I, they're pretty much out of business, I believe. They, they finally, uh, because that concept kind of went out the window with the next generation. But they took something, they staked their claim, and they said, I'm believing for this, and I'm not letting go until it happens. And then they did something about it, the same way that these people did when they were staking their claim. They did something about it. They didn't just, oh, I got my, my, my territory, I got my field, right? So these promised... Promised land promises were given a long time before they actually even came to pass. And what happened? Oh, here's your promised land. They went in. Isn't that what happened? They went in, saw giants, and saw oh, they, you know, all these wonderful things, grapes the size of basketballs. I mean, I say them that way, but there was basketballs back then. But there were grapes the size of cannon balls, I guess you might say. Or you know, there was milk and honey, and there was all these. But it's, it's, there's giants in this land. Right? They came back with a, a, a good report and a bad report. But they had to work it. They had to go around those walls seven times. They had to write. They didn't just go in and say, God said this is mine, get out. So God does the giving, but we must do the taking. Right? God has already done his part, so now it is up to you or to us to do our part. Faith and works. So there are over uh, 7,000 different promises of God in the Bible, and most of us are, are in need of at least a couple of those, don't you think? It will require your faith and determination to receive them. You've got to stake your claim for some of these promises. You'll have to go after it, pursue it, lay claim to it, fight for it. That's not what we want to do. We want to just pray and then hope somebody knocks on the door with a big fat check. That's not how that works. 
Faith must have a conviction. Real faith is not timid or quiet. Faith must have a voice and a passion behind it. Grit, I call it. Right? Like John Wayne. It's got to have grit. Hebrews 11.6, but, but without, we know this, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently, everybody say diligently, diligently seek him. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Do you know that our faith is not what pleases God? It's in our faith in his promises that pleases God because then he is able to do what he said he would do. He is able to bless us, which is pleasing to him. We get it the other way around. You know, we, it, it, I can't get into all that, but in Malachi, we talk about the windows of heaven, right? If you give your tithe, and if you don't, you're cursed, right? Yep. You're going to plead. Well, what does that mean? It means that God cannot bless you because he's created a promise about it to be able to get it. He says, you got to give your tithe in order for the windows of heaven to come that I can bless you. And what, how does that please God? It, it allows God to do what he said he was going to do. It allows him to bless us. So what is it, 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 pleasing to him? Not just that we would have faith, but we would have faith to receive the promises which he already said to us. To diligently seek in Hebrew means to seek out, search for, investigate, scrutinize, crave, to demand back and to require. Now, there was a time where we were, you know, the, the whole prosperity message, and there was this real faith movement. There still is, but it, 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 it went a little haywire there, where we were going before God and demanding him to do stuff for us because he said so. And, man, I don't know, that just made, my, that made me uncomfortable, Right? How could you demand God to do something that he already did? If he already did it, then why are we going before him? You got to do this because you said so. Yeah, there is a confession part to all that. But God did all that for us even though we don't deserve it. Our faith should be based on love. Faith worketh through love. Not through demanding him to do something. But your faith requires that grit. So you got to distinguish between the two when you go before God. I'm hanging on to this, Lord, because you said that you were going to do this. So I'm going to believe because you're not a man that you should lie, and I'm going to hang on. Amen. I'm going to hang on. And thank you, Lord, that you already did these things for me. That's faith. Very familiar, Mark 11, 22 through 26. It says, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says... To this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, ask and pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And, you know, sometimes we want to read the first part of that scripture and we want to kind of leave because the first part's really about faith. The forgiveness part is about faith also. 
And let me distinguish the, between the two. It's not the fact that you are living in sin by holding something against somebody and not forgiving that's keeping you from getting what, that's keeping God from giving you what he said he would do. What it's keeping is from you being able to have faith to receive what God already did. It's the other way around. So we want to say, well, you know, I, I forgave them and, and now you got to do that. No, no, God already did that. The fact that you're walking in forgiveness and walking in love allows you to apply your faith properly. It allows you to apply your faith without any distractions and without anything. So the forgiveness part is for you. It's not for him. Right? It's for you. So five powerful principles found in these verses. Number one, have faith in God. That's a commandment. He's not asking for it. It's not optional. It's, it's take it or leave it. The same with, uh, uh, you know, uh, submit to God. Resist the devil. Submit to God. Then we want to say resist the devil and he will flee. Well, no, there's a first part to that. Number two, whosoever can have whatsoever. And this part of it, it's whatso when I say whatsoever, whatsoever is in here, right? Whatsoever. But this scripture here talks about two kinds of prayer or two kinds of ways to uh, 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 speak your faith or speak things into existence. Number one is you speak to the problem. Number two is you pray to God about the problem. And what we do is we pray to God about the problem when some of these things he's asked us to speak to it. That's different. Those two things are different. But he speaks about both of these here. Whosoever can have whatsoever. So sometimes when we go to God, you know, and we have a, 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 a sickness or we have something, Lord, we, you know, instead of saying, wait a minute, I have authority over this because the same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead lives inside of me and it quickens my mortal body. So that means I have the power. For God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that lives inside of us. So if it's in here, then when it comes out of here, it's power. Right? I'm going to frame, remember this one, frame my world with faith. By what? By saying. That's how God framed the world. By speaking. I'm going to frame my world by speaking. And sometimes you have to speak to your body. You have to tell it to get in place. Do what the Word says. God created me perfect. That, that organ, that thing has to work according to how you said it would. I speak to my finances. I speak to having favor in the eyes of my bosses in my job. I speak to those things, and then there are things that you pray and you ask God for. There, these things, there's two of them in here. Whatsoever can have whatsoever. Number three, say it, write it, and stake your claim. This say it has been taken on a hayride, man. This thing has been, right? You claim it, uh, gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy. If you say it enough, if you say it enough, no. You're having faith in what you're saying rather than having faith in saying something about your faith. Right? It's kind of like the, you know, uh, faith in works. You say, well, well, God, I, I, you know, I had tennis elbow, and, and uh, you know, by faith I moved my arm like this over and over again. And then what do you have faith? In the movement rather than in what the Word says. You have faith in the action. The action is caused by your faith, not the other way around. And we've taken this faith movement. We've taken this uh, prosperity movement. This, we believe in healing. We believe in prosperity. Right, But we believe that it has to be according to the word. So when you say it, it's not just about positive speaking and thinking will give you a positive result. That's new age. 
That's, that's, not bit, that's not Bible, right? And you know the enemy can't create anything new. What he does is he takes what's already there, and he twists it and turns it and turns it into something else. Did it not God say, right? If you eat, you'll be just like God. God had told them that they were already like him. So what did he do? He took what was already there, and he twisted it and, and turned it into a lie. So this confession is not... Just say it. It has to be according to the word, a confession of faith. No longer a thought, but a reality. Number four, believe in your heart. Not a wish list. I hope so, right? We will see what happens. I wonder, what if? I hope it's God's will. If it be thy will, my Lord. That's, doesn't that sound holy? It sounds good, right? Oh, Lord, if it be thy will that you would... Heal my body. If it be thy will, it is his will. It's already here. Well, Jesus said that, yes. When you're laying in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you're about to be put on a cross, and God's asking you to do this, and you're sweating blood, then you can ask God if it's his will. Until then, we know his will. That's, that's what he said. He was laying there. He goes, if there's any other way to save these wretched people, that's not what he said, but... It's probably what I would have said. If there's any other way rather than going to this thing, you know, and I know what's coming. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. I know what's coming. I know it's going to be bad. And these people don't even care. The same people that are going to put me up there is who I'm going up there for. If there's any other way that you can pass this cup, but if it is thy will. You want to ask God's will? Be crucified with Christ. Yet live. Doesn't mean just die. If you're willing to die for him, you're willing to live for him. So believe it in your heart. It's not just a little wish list. When it becomes, you know, uh, faith starts here and it works its way to your heart. Up here, you have, uh, let me get this right, you have facts. So they give you the facts. Like you go to a, 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 a doctor and they tell you, this is what's wrong with you. And, and in the natural, those are facts. This is actually happening. They're not lying to you. They're telling you, right? And in the past, we would say, no. We would turn our back on that, and we would say, no. And, and we'd start confessing that that's not true. No, there, there's facts there that happen, right? But when the word of faith enters here, those facts, right, are no longer facts. The truth takes over. And the truth is that you are already healed. The fact may be that the doctor says you've got this, but the minute they, I, I love it when they put a name on it. Because every name bows under the name of Jesus, right? Every name. So they give you, and they say, oh, it's the big C. I say, no, 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 it's the little C, because the big C is Christ, and he's way on top of the list of things that they could speak over our lives, right? So some of these things, yeah, they're facts. We don't ignore them, but now we can attack them by our, by our speech, by our faith, by speaking the word of God over it. And it has to come to pass. It's, it's, it says it does, so it has to, right? And number five, he talks about forgive. We just spoke about it a minute ago. This is more for you than it is for God. This is more for you. You know, uh, I, I did a, a teaching on, on the enemies of faith, and I did, I think, four or five of them. There's a lot of them. But one of them is unworthiness. We feel unworthy to receive the gift. We were unworthy the day he went to the cross. We were unworthy when the promises of God were written into this book. We are still unworthy of those things. But yet he did it anyway because he loves us. 
So some of these things you have to be righteous for. Thank God that I don't have to work for my righteousness because it's a gift. God made me righteous. He gave me righteousness as a gift. So if righteousness is a prerequisite to the promises, I already have it. So you have to remove the unworthiness. And how do you do that? By forgiving. By letting things go. By, right? By forgiving. So faith says, no matter what circumstance, no matter what things look like, no matter how things appear, God will do what he said he would do. And the circumstance has to fall in line with God's promises for me. It has to. But how does it do that? Through you. It requires that grit, that audacious faith that doesn't let go. You may be criticized for standing in faith, for staking claim to something. You will definitely have some opposition from an enemy that does not want you to enjoy the promises of God. If your faith can be snatched from your hand without a fight, then was it really faith? If God can take it from you. Here, here's another uh, little saying. I don't have it written here, so I'm going to do my best to, to say it. So if what you're believing for can be done by you, then it's way too small for God. Now, all things are too small for God. But if, if you're having faith for something that you could do yourself, we need to bring our faith so high that it's beyond anything that we could accomplish or that this world could provide for us. It has to be beyond that. Way beyond that. That's what faith is. Faith is not believing for the things that you could do yourself. You're just trying to get somebody else to do it. <laughs> See, the devil will put people in your life to discourage you, especially when you're standing in faith. It looks like foolishness to most others. They're not necessarily bad people, but if you stand in faith and stake your claim to the promises of God, you will attract two kinds of people into your life. The ones that will stand with you, that's what I want, and the ones that will stand against you. Come on, really? You're going to... I'm believing that, you know, prosperity is going to come into my life. And Come on, really? You're, you're not even educated. You're not even educated, right? You're ignorant. I don't want those people in my life, right? He made me strong when I was weak, right? Is there a system in place in our country? Yes, you go to school, you get educated in an area that you can make money in. You go and you get a job there and you make money. People who, do, atheists do that and make money, right? There is something in place. But there's also promises for those that put their hands to something because it says that he will bless anything you put your hands to. Kenneth Hagin calls it the Midas touch. Right? You turn it to gold. You touch it and it, it immediately prospers. Why? Because I touched it and I'm a son of the almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, and I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. I remind the enemy that all the time. All the time. John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more, what, abundantly. Not just life, because we got life, but he's saying more abundantly. So as you stake your claim on the promises of God for your life, the thief will try to still kill and destroy this. He's going to try and take your land. 
Jesus has set an abundance of land before you. The cannon has fired. Boom! Why are you still standing around? Right? My God said that land's mine, so I'm just going to sit around here until somebody brings me the keys. End up with the worst parcel in the whole place. Right? Nothing's going to grow on your land. You got you to go get it. Stake your claim. Do not stand on the edge of your promises and do nothing to attain them. Sometimes our promises are right around the corner and we give up and we stop. Resist the temptation to doubt and to fear. Get outside your comfort zone and lay claim to what is yours. It's going to look like foolishness to most. In some cases, you're going to have faith for things that's going to look like foolishness to you. Stand on his promises, right? These words, submit and resist, are not passive words, but strong, active words. Submit, right? To put yourself under. Resist, oppose, to set. Go past the uh, scripture. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. These words submit and resist, right? Submit to put yourself under, put yourself under, and to resist is to oppose, to set against, even to the point of violence. That doesn't sound godly. There's somebody out there that's trying to keep you from, t- from getting what God gave you. I don't know about you, but I'm warm. <laughs> I want mine. Right? Not because I deserve it, not because I'm greedy, not because, but because he said that it was mine. He paid a price for these promises. You guys may remember this story. There's a CNN report on, I know, don't get on my case about CNN. We rebuked the devil out of CNN. April 2014, right? On April 30th, 2014, a nine-year-old, Willie Myrick, was in the front yard of his Atlanta, Georgia home when the Uh, When he bent down to pick up some money, he thought he had found. Someone grabbed him and threw him in a car. He told me, this is his, what he's saying, the guy, he told me he didn't want to hear a word from me, Myrick says. That's when Myrick began to sing gospel song called Every Praise. The kidnapper startled, cursing, and repeatedly told Myrick to shut up, but he wouldn't. He sang the song for about three hours. Can't have worship more than 20 minutes. Three hours until the kidnapper let him out of the car. The little boy ran to a nearby home and asked the resident to call his his parents. The nine-year-old had a stake-your-claim attitude. He was not going to back down, back up, or give up. This nine-year-old boy, the guy's threatening his life. He just got kidnapped. He's in the back, and he's singing this song, singing a praise song. Someone taught this kid well. Until the guy couldn't resist the presence of God because he was praising him, and he had to let him out of the car. He had a stake-your-claim attitude. He wasn't going to give up. Three hours. Three hours. Now, we're not going to mention any of these things, but 
What if he did not do that? What was his future going to be like next? Our history is full of those stake your claim kind of people. We have things today that the past said it was impossible. If God wanted us to fly, we'd have wings. I know you've been on an airplane. We'd be flying. And part of this message, I had a uh, uh, Roger Bannister story, if you know who that is. He's the one that ran the, the mile in less than four minutes. First person to ever do it in 1956, I want to say. Now, if you're not running it in less than four minutes, you can't even get into the Olympics. Back then, it was impossible. There were books, medical books, stating that your body, your bones, your heart, uh, uh, the oxygen in your, wouldn't get to your brain, that you could not... Accomplish this feat, but Roger Bannister did it outdoors on a windy day, and he beat it and did uh, ran a mile in less than four minutes. You know how he did it? He took those medical books, and he ripped pages out that kept saying that a mile could not be run, right, because he was in school in, in England, and he kept putting these up in his dorm room. And every day before he went out to train, he would rip one off the wall and throw it into the garbage. He would crumble it up and throw it into the garbage, and he would go out to train. The next day, he would rip another one off the wall because he was removing those doubts. He was removing those things. He was staking claim to accomplishing something that no one else had ever done before. Within six months, 360 people ran the mile in less than four minutes. Six months after he did it. Now... Right? You have to do it in less than, than, than a, a, right? Run a mile in less than four minutes just to get into the Olympics. <laughs> Stake your claim kind of attitude. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Does that sound timid to you? Lay hold an eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed. Confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. See, it's time to go big or go home. You don't write small things down and speak small things and believe God for small things. Those things you could do yourself. Those things you can do yourself. How does God get the glory? By going way beyond anything that we can do by our own human abilities. I'm not educated. You know how many CEOs of companies were D and C average students? Most of them. They never gave up. Uh, I, could, I could tell you story after story. Uh, uh, Colonel Sanders, everybody's going to go get Kentucky Fried Chicken today, right? Colonel Sanders, 62 years old when he opened his first KFC. He sold chicken at, at, because of his, his recipe on a truck stop. On, I believe it was Route 66, he wrote, uh, uh, he had a little truck stop there and he sold at five cents a piece of chicken because it was his recipe. So every time that truck stop sold a piece of chicken, they had to give him five cents. Then they built a highway not too far away. People stopped going. The place goes out of business. This happened to him over and over and over again until he opened his first KFC. Do you know that Colonel Sanders only owned KFC for four years? PepsiCo bought him out 
for hundreds of millions of dollars. His, his family was set for life, generation after generation, if, they, they're, if they're wise about it, but right? He was 62, never gave up. You know, Michael Jordan was benched in college. His high school coach told him not to even play ba uh, basketball. That guy's <laughs> kicking himself in the butt right now. I know you younger people. Oh, LeBron's the best. No, the GOAT is always going to be Michael Jordan. No one says, oh, he plays, he plays uh, uh, you know, he's the Michael Jordan of golf. or he's the, uh, No one says he's the LeBron of golf. They all say he's the Michael Jordan, right? <laughs> no, he's good. He's, he's amazing. I hope we get him back. He's thinking about coming back to Miami. I only like him when he's on my team. But <laughs> these are men that never gave up on their dream. Do you know what Michael Jordan's real dream was? Play what? Baseball. He ended up playing for two years. He wasn't very good. He filled the stadium, though. That's all they cared about. He finally ended up playing baseball after he played basketball. Then he went back to basketball and still was one of the best guys on the court. So go big or go home. Do not write these small things. God is not interested in your small things. Right? They're small to you. They're small to him. He's not. He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. He's the God of grand finales, I like to say. Oh, boy, can I preach that now, too? You guys have heard this several times. He's the God of grand finales. Elijah said, don't rain, and it didn't rain. Then he prayed, and it rained, right? I see a cloud the size of a man's hand, and that was a miracle in itself, wasn't it? Then it rained, and it got muddy. And he ran faster than a chariot. In the mud, in the rain, a human man, that's God. That's God, the God of grand finales. Lay claim to God's immeasurable grace, right? Listen to these carefully. Lay claim to God's immeasurable grace. You, you cannot do anything bad enough that God's grace can't come into your life and make it right. There's nothing. You can't mess up so bad that God can't restore Lay claim to your freedom. See, our decision to receive Jesus and to live a life according to the word of God is not a binding proposition. It's a freedom proposition. Yeah. I'm free to choose that. I'm free to choose. And le let me tell you, this choice I made was better for me than anything else I ever did in my life. Lay claim to the blessed life. Quit moping around. Lay claim for your home, your marriage, your children. Like I said, nothing can be so damaged that he can't fix it. Lay claim to your healing. Lay claim to your prosperity. Lay claim to God's favor in your life. Lay claim to the power of God in your life. Lay claim for your church. Lay claim to the lost in your area and in your family. Lay claim to something specific. the last scripture and then we're going to do a declaration of faith here at the end Isaiah 54 2 through 4 I was going to read this at the beginning but I felt like it was better here at the end 
It says, enlarge. Everybody say enlarge. Enlarge Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Take what you already have, what you've built, and put those even farther out. Make it bigger. Make your, 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 what you've claimed even bigger. That's what he's saying. It's time to lay claim to something bigger. Don't be, be grateful, but don't be satisfied. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood or your forsakenness or your being discarded anymore. 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 To have that anymore type of attitude, you got to, right? Let's stand to our feet. We're going to say this together, and then we're going to pray, and, and we're going to stake claim to some things. You guys have some things. Those of you who have your notes, you can write on that page. If not, you can write on a, on a, on a page that you may have. Or you know, I, I'm learning now, because I used to carry a pen and a piece of paper, because the Lord would speak to me. Now I can just go to my notes on my phone and, and use my thumbs and write everything on there. Yeah. So it's pretty awesome. So do we have that? Yes, our declaration of faith. All right, we're going to say this together, but let's just not, let's just, I, I'm, I'm not going to back down, you know. All right? Come on. Declaration of faith. One, two, three. I won't back down, back up, or give up. By faith, I lay hold of my future. I lay claim to new territory. I lay claim to bigger blessings. I lay claim to greater prosperity. And I lay claim to God's best for my life. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for not having this type of faith for the promises that you have put into our lives, Lord. We lay claim this morning and put into effect these things, Lord. I declare, Lord, prosperity, Lord. It's not millionaire richness. No, an abundance for every good work. Prosperity says that I may prosper in my spirit, in my soul, and in my body. That has nothing to do with your wallet. I declare that kind of prosperity upon these people that are here today, Lord. We lay claim to those things, Lord. For you can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. We can do all, all things through Christ who strengthens us. You will supply all our needs according to your riches and your glories in Christ Jesus. You are our shepherd. We shall not want We lay claim to these things, Lord. We hang on, Father. We won't let go. We refuse. We refuse, Lord, to allow the enemy or anyone in our life to speak lies into our ears. We are going to stand on the truth. 
We lay claim, Lord, to health and healing and signs and wonders in our midst this year. We lay claim. It's ours because you gave it to us, not because we earned it or deserve it, but nonetheless, it's ours. Thank you, Lord. We lay claim to restored relationships. We lay claim to restored individuals, uh, restored relationships with you. We lay claim, Lord, to people in our family and in our neighborhoods and in our lives to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We lay claim in Jesus' name, Lord. We refuse to let our community go to hell in a handbag. Stand up for your gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We lay claim. We lay claim to a sound mind. Come on. We lay claim to a sound mind. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We lay claim for the next generation that they would serve you even greater than we ever did. We lay claim in the name of Jesus. And we use this this rubble, this stone today to begin to build what you intended us to build back in 2017, Lord, as we continue to minister these messages every week, that we would put them together to create what you intended us to have by the end of this time, Lord. We are going to move forward. Tired of the same old, same old. Thank you, Lord. We want more of you. More of you. Back, we're back for more in 24. We want more and more and more of you, Lord. We refuse to let go, to give up, to back up, Lord. We're hanging on to your word. We choose having done all, to stand. Stand on your promises today. In the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you're here this morning, if you're here this morning and, and you're hearing this message. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.